0: what's good? It's your girl Odalis Jasmine and y'all are listening to Hello Latino. Today I'm talking to my girl, my fellow podcaster Jovi Daniels. Jovi is a Panamanian West Indian Afro descendant professionally known as a former TV corporate broadcast media planner. She worked for networks like Fox, Univision, Sony, and she went from broadcaster to podcaster, honey. So now she is the host and creator of Chombita Chronicles, where she highlights the Afro Latinx experience. In this episode, she keeps it real about being Panamanian, Afro Latina, an immigrant, and how she's navigated her journey being 100% true to herself. So let's get into it. Hola amiga, I am so excited that you're finally on Hello Latina and finally representing Panamá, o sea. O sea, o, mírala, o sea, Mírala, sea. mírala,
1: mírala. Yo dije, no, 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 yo dije, tengo que usar algo, algo, algo para que, o sea, no, la cultura. Y actually, bueno, no sé cuándo salga, pero estamos, to... en este momento que se está grabando esto, estamos ya casi, ya la recta, terminamos el mes de la etnia but now we are in, <laughs> coming up with, what is it? American Caribbean history Month. So We yeah. will continue, you know, it's all good.
0: Hey, that part. Okay, I have a question for you. Do you consider yourself part of Central America or South America?
1: That's a great question. Panama has been always in a debate because originally, geographically, you know, vamos a hacer un poquito de historia. We were part of La Gran Colombia. And as a matter of fact, my grandmother, my great, yeah, my great-grandmother, she's from La Isla de San Andres. But La Isla de San Andres is located closer to Nicaragua. So our food is very highly influenced by the Caribbean because of the Panamecan. So answering your question, there's a little bit of both. We consider ourselves apodo que nos llamamos canaleros. You know, we like literally in the center what what joins and puts together North America with South America. I, yo me considero centroamericana, pero también me considero highly caribeña. And we're part actually of, of Caribeco.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk about <laughs> it. I wanted to ask you because being Honduran, like my, my family is from La Costa Caribeña. So they have heavy Caribbean customs, food, pero otro lado de Honduras, they're like, no, yo soy centroamericano, centroamericano. And like, they don't claim anything else. And I remember talking to one of my tios and he was like, yeah, I mean, all Central America is really interesting because there's some side of it that doesn't say they're Central American at all. Like, Costa Rica tends to go in their own little realm and like every cada país tiene su propia cosa you know and we uh, see
1: you know Central American pride right we right? need to work on yeah. that
0: we need to work because everyone forgets about us there's North America and this little slivery después Panamá y Sudamerica <laughs> yes yes
1: yeah. you said it it's yeah. true yeah more pride the Centroamericano porque a veces, no sé, there's also a notion that somewhere is true, true. they you know we're not mapped into it and then it's like Central America What the man no 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 we love what we obviously Mr Soto's hermanos centroamericanos but it's like yeah. yeah, we're part of it uh we eat frijoles or <laughs> you know we bees we just eat um what is it red beans pinto pinto beans
0: yeah but it's part of it yeah yeah it's all part of it Cada sazoncito. Well, I want to, I know we jumped into that because I wanted to ask you, but I want to start with the first question, Amiga, and it's how do you identify and why? I
1: identify first and foremost as a woman. (laughs) And well, this has been a journey to me. If you know anything about my podcast that also started, yeah, you know, She Music Plug, but Shambita Chronicles was really kind of like journal. I consider myself Panameña, but then also because of, the, because of my family, I knew highly I was also West Indian. West Indian, We call it Caribeña, de la costa, you know. It was highly because in my household, I learned to speak English first, and then I learned Spanish.
0: Oh, wow. That's how that
1: grew. Panameña, afrodescendiente... Was it if you, as I said, and I think, you know, I mentioned this because I want to be transparent. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you would have told me, are you Afro-Latina? And I would be like, what? But it was just the lack of history and understanding and the conflict, the conflict that, oh, what I learned in school was not matching with, you know, they talk about this guy, Columbus. And I'm like, wait a minute. None of that
0: is real? None of it. None of it, none of it's real. <laughs> and it's yeah. on that topic of it's not real. One thing that people don't know is that the Spain, like Spain, sent its worst, you know, quote unquote worst people, yes. criminales, yes, o sea, thieves yes. and people with diseases and like they sent the so the scum of Spain. They're like, oh, we don't know yes. what's out there. If you die, we don't care. So, by and exactly. <laughs> I it.
1: No, it's it's just like, and I'm here, you know, thinking back, oh my God, me, me quería, you know, memorize La Pinta, La Niña, La Santa Maria, all the three words. And it's like the romanticized version of what was.
0: A hundred percent. I want to ask about that, though, because you talked about school. Talk about like, that, were you born in Panama? Were you born here? Like, talk about that immigration story and how you grew up and what you learned in school. I was born in Panama.
1: I am, I want to say half, you know, some people talk a first generation. I'm like half. I was born in Panama. I came as an adult or, or finishing already high school, going to college somewhere around those times to the United States. I'm a byproduct or recipient of my family. I have uh, great grandparents that work in the canal that came from Jamaica. Grenadas and kids. So, but then once I started studying, I went to a private school and where it was like bilingual. And as I say, you know the the history that was said was well, Cristobal Colon descubrió America and all of that, and that was pretty much it. Even though only to understand that there is a there's something interesting because I'm working on a project. My may that be. By the time that this podcast comes up, it will be released. But the interesting is when the United States, you know, had an eye that it's like, they know that Panama was the land that they wanted to do this canal and everything. But because of the, at the time that the canal wanted to take place, Panama was not Panama. Yeah. It was part of Gran Colombia and they had to eh, separate themselves from, Col- from Colombia itself and manga la redundancia. So. That created really a combustion of culture clashes in the whole Istmo, Brecino. So once that was said, okay, Panama is independent, the, the United States take over after the French, and they brought with them Jim Crow law, segregation within the canal zone. And I remember that when I was a kid because I used to travel with my Grandfather to the Colon, la provincia de Colon was like, it's like an, an hour to hour city, primarily by driven by black Panamanians. There's a huge, huge history. And with that being said, you know, that kind of like caused a lot of, I was a kid, but it caused a lot of polarization because again, you know, some people pass forward today. They're like, "Oh, Panameños are very Americanized." In a way, it's true, but also we there's history that says we stand we stand for our sovereignty. There were people that fought for making sure that even though yes, the U.S. government came and they were doing the canal and everything, but there were two flags that needed to stand there: the, the Panamanian flag next to the American flag as well, because at the end of the day, the, the terrain la la tierra is in Panama. So they, you know, finally they had to understand and establish that. And even for today, Panama official language is Spanish. Yes, that we recognize that we have different type of people. With different cultures, we have a native Indian community, los indígenas, we have the blacks, afro-antianos, afro-colonial, afro, 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 colonial, afro and then we have the mestizos. That is true, it's very rich. And there's really, in comparison to Panama, the next thing is Brazil. Even though we're way smaller when it comes to population, but that's, that's and now I think the most recent study also came out that's saying Panama, Brazil, and Cuba are one of those countries outside of Colombia itself that has almost above 30% their population being Black or Afro-descendant and so on.
0: Wow. And did you yeah. did you understand that history when you were younger? Because you're talking about no, you didn't. Mm.
1: No. Well, it was like I knew some of it because my family was letting me know about, and, you know, my grandmother will tell me stories. She's like, Si tu vas a la isla de San Andres, do not hook up with anyone. Everybody's family. <laughs> She's like, everybody's family. <laughs>
0: She's
1: like, you hear Archibald and all this? She's like, listen. And oh, I was like, God. okay, I got you. <laughs> She's like, you can visit, it, but please be careful. I was like, okay. I haven't made it there yet, but I definitely, it's one of my, my bucket list. Wow. But then, you know, you you just get with the program, the indoctrination with school and we learn what they told us, you know, we learn what they wanted us to know. And the shocker was when I came to the United States, you know, and then that narrative of how you say Divide, you know, conquer and divide, divide and conquer. And they were like, okay, yes, you guys are Black, but please make sure not not to join or find yourself close to another Black American. Mm -hmm. They are not. And it's like my understanding was not correct, but I, I just did not know until I got into college. And then understanding that first and foremost, The opportunity and the privilege that I have just being in this country and that I am as you are, and you understand that now that the civil rights has benefited a lot of us. And this is what this was fought by the African American community. And then obviously, yes, you have the Chicano movements and all of that, but
0: it started with them. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think you and I talked about this at one point, but just the, um, or maybe we didn't. Sorry. I'm like so many conversations, but there was, it happens. I know the there was, there was something that, that I talked to someone about, of like, if it weren't for the African American community, a lot of these different rights wouldn't happen. And it's a very, it's very beautiful to see, to see just this, like, now, this fight together, like today Latinos, yes. like we got your bag, the black community, we got your Latino bag like it's if it, there's this like partnership that I think is starting to form because growing up, I think I was at the tail end of it. it was very much the divide and conquer. It was very much the but don't don't interact especially from my perspective, growing up in a very poor socioeconomic area, we tend to be with the black community in those areas. We won't talk about the red lining, We won't talk about all those other systemic, disrespectful things mm-hmm. that they have done mm-hmm. to keep us in those communities. But growing up there, it was always, okay, no, don't, no te mezcle con ellos. Like, yeah, no te juntes. No te juntes con ellos. Mm-hmm. No, te vas a quedar ahí and like, it was very much a segregated area, and there was so much hate between the two. And it took me a minute to understand porque, and it comes from Latinos have very <laughs> deeply rooted colorism and a lot of yes. bias toward African Americans specifically. But on the other side, even too, to, I mean, like,
1: let's not even go that far. Even just within ourselves, our own, you know, oh, yeah. our own bubble. The colorism is, is it's hard. It's rough. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, my God. Jovi, I used to tell my mom, porque mi mamá es una trienguita bien bonita. And I, yeah. she would tell me this story all the time. And now it made sense. Like, oh, my God, the colorism is real. But she said the niña that I would always tell her, mami, yo quiero tu color. Because yo soy bien morita. Oh like, I'm very, very white. And I would always tell her, mami, quiero tu color, quiero tu color. And she's like, no, estás bien bonita y blanquita. She would always say that. Mm -hmm. And it never made sense to me because I'm like, I want to be tan like you. You know what I mean? And then growing up, I'm like, oh my God, the deeply rooted colorism that exists. And my mom's hating her own skin and feeling like, no, I don't I don't want this skin. I don't want to be dark like this. I want your color. Blanca y bonita. And I'm like El
1: rechazo interno. Mm
0: -hmm. And it makes me so sad. And I tell her all the time, like, mommy, it is El color más bello. And like, everyone wants that color now. You see people get tans all the time. You se matan el,
1: skin. No, <laughs> people pay for this. People pay. They go to tan. They go to tan salons. It's like, hello. And and I can tell you also a little, you know, piece of also, um, my story. Family-wise, my grandmother, you know, the only thing I knew when I was growing up, especially, you know, when you go in that path of, life or growing up, growing it's like all the women in my family will relax. They're here because that's all they knew. And they were not even given the opportunity as of today. It was just the norm. This is what you need to look. And this is what is going to be determining your livelihood in surviving and making money or anything. So when I was 12, it was just very well known. That I was going to relax my hair. Thank God my grandmother took a little bit of time. She waited for me to be 12, 13. But when I heard about these little girls, 6, 5, it's like, what do you mean that you're putting chemicals on a child that early on? Because it's like we had it at one point I think we hadn't, we knew, but then Society and you know, in, in green, saying, "Well, no, you need to confirm you need to comply, you need to assimilate, and look this way."
0: I'll be out- and
1: there's so along those lines. Exactly, along those lines, you get lost. And I remember that I made this comment to my grandmother one point. They were like, because colorism was so prevalent within the family, and I was like, "There's a side of my family that they're lighter skinned." They have light eyes, what happened there? And how come this other side, we have this? And then, you know, it's like, wait a minute. But then they they were like kind of explaining to me sort of the stories, but not the entire story. Even just recently, I learned that I have maybe three quarters of also Jewish heritage because my grandmother's grandmother was a Jewish Why what?
0: Oof. But that's the thing is that we don't know our history. Like there was a Jewish diaspora that happened in Central America. Yes. People don't know yes. that. I'm like. <laughs> there you go. There
1: you go. <laughs> yes. yes.
0: Yeah. But it's. But that's the thing is like you don't understand your history. yet You're not. You're not. You're going to move th- in the world differently. And like I say this quote like probably a thousand times at this point. But. It's like my dad used to say, like, si no sabes donde vienes, nunca sabrás a donde vas. Like, I've seen people, not in my family, but just some people in my family that have so much self-rechazo that, you know, feel like their skin isn't pretty, their hair is too, you know, curly, lo que sea, their hips are too curvy, whatever. They have these ideas and this self-hate, and I see how they pass it on, those generations and those kids. and y sigue, sigue la onda. And I think, like, you really have to love the skin that you're in and love who you are. But it starts with understanding, where do I come from? Because you're going to look in the mirror confused because you don't look like these little American girls that look and talk a certain way. But it's understanding, like, if I know I come from un mestizaje complicado y raro y, you know... (laughs) And complex, like, if I don't understand that, I'm going to move in the world trying to fit into a box that the big hips are never going to fit in. Oh,
1: well, that is, I cannot tell you, you know, I am so thankful for this moment. I am so thankful for Gen Z, for millennials, for finally really putting the cars on the table. Because, you know, when you look back, and I was like, my God, no wonder, that's why I felt so out of place. Yeah, so misunderstood, so like, because Eddie had no sense to a certain point of belonging because I was not given that information until, obviously, until college. And still, they were like, you know, you have this accent and you have this. And yes, you look like us, but you're not exactly like us. But even though it's only to know that the boat money stopped earlier, further down, and then got <laughs> here afterwards pretty much what it is uh, yeah
0: yeah that's so funny you that, said the boat the drop the, off yeah that, the boat you the said the we just off. got dropped off earlier that's it when did you start to ask these questions around identity yobi because you have trombita chronicles like when did you start to dive deep into like where do i come from like when did you start that whole journey that
1: that is great because <laughs> Well, let's say, okay, I made it to the United States. I made it to Miami, Florida. By the time I made it to Miami, Florida, there's a completely different ecosystem. I'm not saying, yes, there's discrimination, discrimination, racism, but maybe on another level, but it is there. I personally, I I didn't went through that, but I can, maybe because I was more versed in Spanish, maybe because there's a high influence of otros Americanos and Cuban essence, and maybe also... What I was explained to is the level of education of that population that resides in Florida or in South Florida makes a difference. Yeah, Because the difference is when somebody sees me, yes, I present Black, but then like, ¿o Yeah. That's one. Well, when I hit LA, it oh, was yeah. like, ito, por qué hablas español? ¿Y quién te enseñó? And you're like, wait a minute, what? This is... Two thousand. Why are you asking me this question? And I was like, "Who well, I need to tap on something here?" And it was the culture shock, a landing in LA that I was questioned and also questioned my professionalism, my education, and who are you? Why are you doing all of this? And and I was like, "Whoa!" All these microaggression or attack, and I was like, I really had to dig in and figure out on my own. I say, wait wait a minute, what's going on? And it was landing in LA that I just started exploring and understanding. Also the third, fourth generation, Mexican American, why they will not speak Spanish? And then I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, you know, that their parents or grandparents were preventing from them to be discriminated. That's why they, now they call themselves the no sabo kids or no generation. Mm -hmm. That is like, they were just, you know, protected for not being discriminated so they could not be learning or having this accent. So Spanish was completely, you know, taken away or deleted or not. And I have cousins also like that, that they felt like, why didn't you guys continue forcing us to, or implore us to learn Spanish? I was like, well, you know, we could have been bilingual. I said, you can still learn it now. But at least, my my thing is, I rather that you know Your background, like we talked about earlier, your your heritage, your culture, and then yes, if you can learn Spanish, that's great. That's more power to you. Yeah, and but that's what I really care about, and um, and that's all. That was the journalism. What is it? The journaling. The journaling of my podcast started as a solo talk to for me to kind of understand my whole ecosystem because it's like the idea is no soy de aquí, no soy de allá, de dónde soy. And I was like, wait a minute. I need to figure out. And I I literally had to go back in the books and Google a, a lot of things in this person. And then the best thing that you can get is other people's story that I realized with John Mita Chronicles and I was like, oh my God, I am not the only one that felt this way. Yeah. And
0: finally we were able to speak about it.
1: Do Awesome.
0: That is what you just said is so powerful of like, you learn more from people's stories. And you don't just learn, but you also realize you're not alone in what you're going through. It's exactly what you just said. And I learned that every single time on this podcast, when I listen to yours, when I listen to Babel's, I'm just like, people's stories are so powerful. Because if they're not going to tell our story, then we better right who's who's gonna do it who's gonna do it if not if not if not us then who's gonna do it because no one else is and they haven't and um like that has been just like
1: pandora box and those stories and this it was started with the with women and then men and everybody you know because it's it's a it's a tatter like and for a long time i had a thirst i'm like where do i fit in and I'm like, do I even fit in? Or maybe I have to create my own space. And that's what I did. And it's been so amazing, you know, meeting great people like you. And it's just the, the community is just so great. And Pavel and every, everybody that is contributing, contributing to, to the community that was making us be diciendo presente. Here we are. This is what we're going to do. And. And now you don't feel strange. And like from the back of my nose, like, I'm not going crazy. It's, this is what has been going on all along.
0: You're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not alone. I, you know, I, I'm laughing about you going to LA and having a whole different experience because I, I remember going to New York and me preguntan, you sos Colombiana? And I'm like, no. And they're like, are you Puerto Rican? I'm like, no. And then I go to Miami and they're like, you're Venezuelan, and I'm like no. I'm like keep guessing though. Pero nunca, de los nunca has hablado con And even though uh, we we primarily, you know, we definitely have a very good, yeah, yeah good
1: community Centro Americano Nicaragüense Fritanga. Dude, that's my place. You know, <laughs> you know, and Hondureños we do maybe not as much as maybe LA. I realize that LA is the place in this esa, in esa aspect of Central Americanos but Miami also. Florida has their people. They do. But it's interesting. They it's do. interesting. Yeah, New York is like man, when I, I'm in New York, it's like, wow, the energy is wild. But you're <laughs> like, oh my God, I see you. I feel so comfortable. Yeah. Like,
0: yes. And it's that's that's the thing about people ask me all the time because they're like you've, you've interviewed 90 plus people on the podcast like what makes us all latino and that's such a loaded question because i'm like it's so hard to put that blanket term because somos totalmente diferentes but what i will say is that we have this beautiful thread between all of us that there's just like this level of like familiarity Right. Of The familia, the amor, the, and not to say that every single person has that, porque ya sabemos que tenemos una gente que no. Pero, pero there's this, there's this warmth about us that we just naturally have. And I think it comes from just this culture of community. And it's so easy with us. It's so easy. I'm like, you see people all the time struggling to build community. And I'm like, if you go where the black and brown people are, you, you exactly. can find it. <laughs> i had this all oh, for real i'll tell you this one quick story it's so funny i i had a going away party at linkedin when i was transitioning oh. out and of course the whole party was full of like black latino and it was a vibe and we were playing music Vivian vino my parents came it was it was so fun hey we make a party of anything o sea, okay con champagne and vino Cause we, we classy, but we were there, we were just having a good time and we were on campus and I don't know if I can say we had alcohol on campus, but oh, I used I used to but we had an engineer pass by. He was Asian American and he stops by and he's like, is this an event? And I'm like, oh, it's my going away party. And he's like, this looks so fun. Can I join? <laughs> And I'm like, of course, get some wine, get some food, like hang out Enjoy. with us. Hey. But me and, me and my friend were laughing because we're like, that's what I think we naturally have as a community is just this power to build community, to build and, and make people feel like they're welcome. They're invited to the carne asada, to comer plátano y baleadas, whatever you eat. Like they're invited to share the space with you. And I think. It's just a very beautiful thing. And that's my answer. I'm like, that's what makes us all Latinos. It's just that. Ese corazón, ese comunidad.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, I've been living in LA for quite a while. And as I said, you can still find your tribe. I remember that very clearly when somewhere in the middle of my downfall. I don't know. Maybe I have to find another word, but I just found it Mm -hmm. that. In my transition, because I was find myself right in the moment of social media breaking through and everything else broadcast, you know, it was just changing. And when your skills or your aptitudes and your experiences put in question and then you like find yourself in the middle of things happening in a good way, but you're transitioning and you're just kind of like, and then figuring out, okay, what? going to be next yeah and you find your tribe i found my tribe by voicing my voice and bringing along especially again with podcasting was just that venue and it's just been incredible the opportunities for just putting myself because i was like at one point i was like okay fine if i don't go back to corporate i need to just do what i think and i need to channel for a long time to have a, you know, voice and understanding what is going on. And then just only to think that first I started actually in my experience of like, okay, I'm a former corporate employee, becoming an entrepreneur, delving, and that brought quite a bit of a a community and and support. And then I was like, everybody was just then giving me the feedback and saying, Joey, I think you need to go further with this because, you know, you're Panamanian. And do that, and I was like, sure. And then you can do it in Spanish. Oh my God! And then that was the launch of Chambita Chronicles. And then the respond back, the feedback. Like, and by the way, Chambita's gonna be back. I'm just working on on a couple of tunings because we evolved, too. Like the moment that the technology is evolving and changing, we also, like you said earlier, also that is we. Not only listening to these stories, we are evolving, we are learning, and we are taking ourselves to that next level.
0: 100%. And I want to talk about how Chumbita Chronicles came about. Did you leave corporate to start it? Did you leave corporate after? Talk to me about your corporate experience and then becoming an entrepreneur. Okay. Chumbita Chronicles started after...
1: My last sabbatical, like I I was in corporate and then I was laid off and then I ended up working abroad and then I came back. I I want to say that and then I was kind of having a moment and then what really kind of started because I was starting being curious. I was like, okay, I need to channel what I've been doing because I studied TV production, but I was like, okay, I need to channel my creativity, even though I was always a very tactical, logistic kind of person. And then when I discover, I always been journaling, but then now journaling with social media, with technology, just to get to another level. And and at the point that I was like, it was really funny because then I was like, I thought I was going to have to set up a whole podcast studio, blah, blah, blah. But then, like I said, there's enough for everything and the app came right mm-hmm. there and then, and um, it just made it easy. And it just made it free. And that's why you also need, you know, that support as an entrepreneur because we do a lot of things and then, yes, a lot of things do come with a cost. but thank God also the democratization, if I'm pronouncing it right, a Democrat, you know, that opportunity that is open to anyone to try, the opportunity that you can set up a YouTube channel and all these things and you do, you know, express yourself. That came about like that, but I was still... I was still working, but I was working in other fields. I work at a charter school. I work, I did Uber, Lyft, kind of figuring out. But then my mom got sick. She had a stroke and that kind of changed a lot of layers and what I had to do. But thank God I had the podcast because then I was able to <laughs> kind of really vet my concerns of, okay, I'm a former. And broadcast employee, but I still have the skills. I want to use them in another way, transfer skills, which is kind of part of my conversations of like, how do you empower yourself? How do you innovate? How do you innovate your skills? Because I'm, I'm like, I am so excited for this moment that we're, that's happening for all of us. I'm like, if you want to do anything, you want to do film, you want to write your story, you want to do a book, you want to publish everything is available to you. You just have to really make up your mind and say, okay, are you open to learn again? Because I know there's just some people that I know that some, they can just, you know, give up and say, no, I'm too old for this or I cannot do it. It's too much. But then it's like, if you don't make yourself heard, and I think originally really the podcast came because I was getting very frustrated applying for work. And I was like, the saying that, um it's all about who you know. No, no, it's all about who knows you and what you do really good. So LinkedIn and which is kind of one of the platforms that I really, I really enjoy using a lot. So I was like, wait a minute. This is, it's who knows yeah. you. And I'm like, okay, well, what better way I can feel comfortable, authentic in my own person? And I, that's where I saw podcasting as that venue. I was like, I think I'm ready for YouTube or be on camera, but I'm ready to do voice because, you know, I actually, my internship in broadcasting started in radio. So I was like, okay, this is it. And I heard about podcasting quite a bit way before, obviously, this boom. The technology was available for more than 15 years, but it's just now that it really has taken a grasp and an understanding for, for who really wants to take upon it.
0: I... I um I love that you are just a natural hustler too. Like you were like, "Sake, okay? I'm gonna be an Uber driver. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do-. like you." That's the one thing I love about our our people too is that we find a way. We find a way to get it done. And I remember, I remember telling my parents, and this was like, I was like 24 years old, and I was terrified to tell them, but I was gonna tell them I left my job, and leaving stability. Like a steady paycheck, security. security. Yeah. But being so teniendo, como una convicción, having so much conviction that I was gonna be okay. Because we're gonna be okay. Like I remember sitting them down, I'm like, I know it's scary, but if you guys have taught me anything, like I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna find something better, more money, more opportunity, like no se preocupen. But having that conversation. It was hard, but having, like, it's just, like, there's power in just being a hustler. And that's what I'm hearing from you. You're like, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> it's not ideal. It's not ideal to be laid off. It's not ideal to have that it's job taken not. away. Mm.
1: Well, it, it, it really also came to, like, I think I
0: had, like, you know, maybe
1: my, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, my Oprah, my aha moment was, <laughs> I was, like, I've been, like, in this, I've been in this field for more than 15 years. And I was like, listen. I obviously got laid off. I didn't get fired. So that means that something good I was doing. And I was like, doesn't matter what you throw at me, too. And I was like, there's no shame in working. Work good. is work. But then I'm, I'm going to be the best at it in whatever space you are placing me. And now I'm like, I'm going to be good at this. Yo voy a la mejor. And, you know, I had my my five-star rating is you figure it out but i'm like i'm gonna be good at it doesn't matter if i was working at the airport or anything because i'm like but it's just your the ethic your principles your legacy that is like doesn't matter where you put me i'm gonna be the best at it
0: oh but that's the thing though i talk about this all the time you'll be like i'm like i can do Tomorrow, if you put me in an aerospace engineering class, like, listen, it's not my, it's going to take me a few tries. I'm going to have to study really hard, but I can do it. I can do it. I'm not going to be in like a surgeon here, you know, I'm like, (laughs) but I'll see a studio, me pongo pilas. Like I can learn it and I will master it because that's, that's just a natural hustler. You put me in any little situation. I will figure it out and we will make it happen and we're going to kill it and we're going to be the best, but. We're going to it just requires that access and opportunity. And like what you're saying, it's not about who, you know, who knows you. I learned that I remember hearing someone in college say that uh, it was like a speaker that came in and it like feel like it imprinted in my mind. I was like, OK, who knows you? And every job since then, every internship, every job opportunity, even down to the speaking engagements I get now, it's all been through someone that I know all been through referrals someone who knew me and was in a room advocating on behalf of me and i realized there's privilege in that because there's certain people i look at my own family i'm like they don't have the connections and plugs into these corporate spaces how do we create that access how do we create more synergy and connection and that was one of the biggest inspirations behind starting this podcast i'm like how do i make these people accessible someone's listening who's like also Afro-Latina or Panamania or is in LA and she's like I want to reach out to Yobi and like learn more about her get coffee chat with her I want that to be accessible I want that person to reach out to you even if you don't respond or you're like I'm gonna respond in a few days like just the fact that you're easily accessible it's powerful hey listen
1: once you tell me all that is and as I said it goes because the thing is that when you realize what's going on, we are here all together and we're supporting each other. The power community is amazing if you devote it. I'm like, you got to navigate. Yes. You know, and then you have to go through a path. And um, I can tell you how grateful I am. Uh, I'm grateful that I try. Because then mm-hmm. the, the other thing that I did with the podcast was really interesting. Like you said, oh, you mentioned family, you know, you're waiting for that. Outside approval, but then I was like, "Listen, if I'm really good at what I am, <laughs> I'm gonna try this podcast, and I'm gonna go with the real audience—people that do not know me—and they're gonna tell oh, me this Sarah. is working or not. Because, it, you know, because, you know, because they knew we were friends and family, and I'm like, "No, no, no, oh yeah." And then when I tried, and then when I got the response, I was like,
0: "Okay." Then okay, this is working. This is pretty <laughs> No, a hundred percent. And tell me about for the folks that are listening that want to know more about Chumbita Chronicles, what what is the podcast about and where can they find it? Okay, the
1: podcast is about amplifying voices for Afro Latinos, multicultural. Like for example, yes, I have Afro. Descendants and Latinos that it started mainly, but then also I'm very intrigued when you see un Latino, Chino, Latino, or alguien Boliviano, Ukrainian. You know, there's so many varieties of being Latino. Like you talk about it. You cannot encase that word because we have so many different you know, cultures and layers and, you know, colors of people in so many. Amp- and then it's like, who am I to tell you that you're not Latina just because you're maybe have Indian descent or, or you come from Trinidad or even if you're Haitian, you know, the layers go on and on. And we have an amplifying Asian community
0: that also needs to be seen. 100%. People don't know about that either huge Asian populations and one of my favorites is Peru and the heavy Japanese influence that exists within Peru and funny enough I just did a a panel with Intuit where we highlighted their employees and then I also brought a friend of mine who's Garifuna shout out to the Hondureños and he talked about the same thing by the way going to, to San Diego he's like everyone thought I was Mexican or like what part of your family is black and he's like no, that's not how it works. (laughs) That's not how it works. But I had someone on the panel who was Japanese Peruvian. And she herself talked about how she never tapped into her Japanese roots when she was in Peru. It wasn't until she came here where she was like, let me dive deeper into these Japanese roots because it's normal in Peru to have like, part of your family from Japan and like, there's a whole Japanese community, but coming here people looked at her like, you're not you're not Japanese, like you're you're Mexican. <laughs> you're you're Latina, and right? I'm like, no, there's there's different layers to it. But again, it starts with these stories that you're highlighting. So shout out to Chombi. The
1: diversity and yeah, thank you. The diversity and I found it really compelling in, you know, people I was like, we need to be heard, you know, even though sometimes can somebody can have Yes, the makeup of being a white person, but the background, what they have, their heritage. I'm like Bolivian, Ukrainian, Ukrainian. It's like, how are you? Like. But that means, you know, there's a history behind that. Yeah. And also, you know, keeping in check also your privilege. And but then when we talk about that dynamic, and I just say, I amplifico las historias que no que no se escuchan y que no se ven. Because there was, we were invisible. We were not heard, and we also know that this whole moment started or being highlighted globally after the murder of George Floyd. That has come, kind of like, has exacerbated the attention, the attention in the media, the attention on representation in different spaces, and we have a lot to work on. You know, a
0: lot. I have a um controversial question for you <laughs> porque porque mira someone told me this one time and I nunca se me fue de la cabeza she said two things to me and she said one you can't claim Afro Latino if you don't come from Afro roots in your country for example if you're half black American and half Puerto Rican you can't claim Afro Latino and that was the first time I heard that and I'm like oh okay Second thing she told me, I'll let you think on that. Second thing she told me was that during Black History Month, Afro-Latinos are not supposed to be in the picture. She's like, Afro-Latinos need to wait for Hispanic Heritage Month and then they can celebrate then. But Black History Month is for Black Americans. Those two things, I've never talked about it since. It was kind of more of a, I was listening to her on an event and I was like, huh, that's very interesting And so I want to ask you from your perspective, maybe there's no right or wrong, maybe it's just like a a subjective opinion, but what do you think about those two comments that this person made?
1: Well, first comment, it's interesting, you know, it's something you and I or our podcast, the message stands for is that identity is very personal. Right. So with that being said, If you're Black and you're also Puerto Rican, you are Afro-Latino. That's what I'm saying. I'm not only saying, the facts will show it to you. I'm also part of the Afro-Latino Forum. You can check out, you know, I guess most of those uh, links are going to be in this show. And uh, um, what is it, Black History Month? I'm sorry to say, but actually Black History Month, yes. It started with the African-American community. We celebrate and give the flowers to the African-American community. However, in that layer, because like I, as I said earlier, part of this podcast, when it comes to the boat, it's just where you got to stop first. Oh. But the transatlantic slave trade was just, it affected all of us. You know, it affected all of us. So we become a highlight, but we're not taking away anything On the contrary, we are enriching the history. Black history is everybody's history is part of it. Some of us may not feel that it is. I'm like, tell me somewhere where it doesn't, but I am going to stand for what I said earlier. Yeah. It highlights the diaspora. That's what it comes down to. And thank God, you know, it's not only here, here that we celebrate in Black History Month, it's celebrated in other countries as well. And they also keep on pushing these stories and bringing to light really what all we came about, you know, who we are, and also treasuring our ancestors, you know. When you don't know, but then my my issue is that I was very curious in understanding why I, and as I said, if you present even Black, but you don't feel Black, I am not going to say anything. I'm not going to judge you because it's personal. Yeah, 100%. I'm not going to box you in. It's personal. And for us just to wait also for Hispanic History Month, why? You know, we can celebrate both. We can celebrate Many differences. Because again, it brings us back to being all of us.
0: Yeah. And it feels like that.
1: I'm like, I celebrate even when, it, when it's on St. Patrick. <laughs> but
0: everybody's dressed in green. And I don't see anybody taking that away. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good mira. I feel like it's exactly what we were just talking about. is people putting us in a box and saying no you can't fit in that box no no no, not that one you can do the other one and how exhausting it must feel but you know after those comments that I heard it made me deeply empathize with the Afro-Latino community and all these different layers of like no you can't identify like that because it's xyz or no you can't celebrate Black History Month because xyz like it really made me feel a lot of sympathy and empathy for what the Afro-Latino community goes through to navigate this race and also navigate an ethnicity that is different and how it just plays a role in your experience. Because the thing is that, Rani, at the end of the day, if
1: I don't speak or say anything, when it comes to all the, unfortunately, killings, you know, attacks, do you think that they're going to ask you, are you Afro-Latino? Are you... Are you... No, you're just... I, and we have seen so many stories today, yesterday, and it just goes on. So if anything, that tells you that we're supposed to really support each other. Don't fall mm-hmm. again for the divide and conquer narrative.
0: Question it. But then, that's, that's what I have to say. And Mike dropped, she said. <laughs> I'm not. So on that. <laughs> we celebrate both Black History
1: Month, o sea. Hispanic Heritage Month, Latinx. You know, just bring it on. But no, listen,
0: you're you're Latino, you're Black, you're Afro Latino every day of the year. So you celebrate that every day. <laughs> I always laugh because I'm <laughs> like, I laugh because I'm like, listen, I love being contracted for Hispanic Heritage Month, but I'm like, no se te olvide que I'm Latina. No se te olvide. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. Oh my god! I was just thinking about Cristina, Laura. I'm like, where are they now? Ooh, Laura, today. See, she's doing her thing. I don't think, some
1: reality show, Laura. Qué pasa? qué
0: pasa? <laughs> With the rasp, con, con la, raspy voice. I, Yobi, thank you so much for the time and for sharing your story. Last thing I want to ask is how people can find you. How can they find the podcast? How can they send you a message and say thank you, etc.? cetera? Senino, thank you for having me. This has been fun. That was so cool. Uh, I,
1: you can find me active on Instagram and you can find my podcast wherever you Yes, your podcast in all platforms, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. I say Apple iTunes. Oh. <laughs> I say, um, there's so many. Yeah, so there's the links and, um you know, there's cute, cool stuff coming up. I'm working on, you know, as I said, innovating, elevating. I've been also very blessed in having some, what is it, virtual speaking events. So if you don't see me around, that's what is going on. You know, there's a lot of great things happening behind the scenes. And I actually post them and say, hey, I'm going to be a guest speaker, or, you know, and that's really happening because it all comes down to representation. And actually, you know, giving that that thumbs up to our youth, the people that are coming up to say, you know, feel, if anything you want to get out of my podcast, and is pride. Since, Que te sienta orgulloso, orgullosa, and that's what it comes down to. And I think, um, what else? That's pretty Mm -hmm. much it. You know, all the links are there. You can find me in pretty much every (laughs) anywhere.
0: Chumbita Chronicles, Joey, everywhere. Chumbita (laughs) Chronicles, Joey D, you name it, I'm there. I love it. Y ultima cosa, tengo mi cafecito, I've been sitting on it. I wanna Ooh. I wanna end with the brindis and te quiero dar, te quiero dar el tiempo y el espacio, Yovi. What do you want to cheer to and what do you want to manifest for nuestra comunidad latina?
1: Unidad. Unity.
0: Listo y hecho.
1: Unidad. <laughs> Unidad. Unity. More than ever. We really need to stick with each other. There's there's a lot going on, but El poder está en el pueblo. The people.
0: Amén. Mm. Amén y salud. <laughs> Gracias amiga. Oh, I need a drink. Yes. Bad luck. Yeah. My little sip. Little sip. Gracias amiga. Thank you for being here. All I got to say is gracias mujer por compartir tu historia con nosotros. It was a pleasure for those who want to connect more with Jovi, go to www.jovd.com and check out Chombita Chronicles wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll see y'all next week for more Cafe achievement For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram and find me on LinkedIn. Check out my website, olalijasmine.com. for more information Con muchísimo, muchísimo amor tu amiga Noreña